Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, as we come to chapter 36 in our verse-by-verse study, let me, for just a moment, take you back in time and kind of remind you what we talked about the last couple of weeks. You go, what's that? Well, in chapter 35, um, I mean, just kind of put on your thinking cap. Chapter 35 is an amazing chapter, okay? Why? Because here's what happens. If you don't understand it, the gospel message, guys, the gospel message came to the heart of Jacob. Okay, Jacob, his name means hill catcher, it means deceiver, supplanter, and it represents who we are. It represents us walking without God. And for some reason in chapter 35, God has been trying to reach and get a hold of Jacob. And finally, the gospel gets a hold of Jacobo, Jacob. Why? Because in chapter 35, we see this amazing Revival in such a great time for it to happen. Why? Because in chapter 34, guys, that was a dark, 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 godless chapter. He's not mentioned once. I mean, it was the rape of Dinah. It was, it was, it was, it was yuck. It was yuck. And I'm so glad because when we come to chapter 35, in the first 15 verses of chapter 35, we see a transformation in the life of Jacob. But listen to me, not only in the life of Jacob, but in the life of his family. That's what we see. This was a genuine encounter with God. How so? Chapter 35, verse 1 says, Then God said to Jacob, and I say, I raise the hallelujah to that. Why? Because in chapter 34, we didn't even see, God didn't even speak. But now he's speaking. He tells Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So God speaks and Jacob obeys. God speaks and Jacob obeys. Now here's what we notice. God is the initiator and man is the responder. God always initiates that and we respond. And I love the fact that God spoke and I love, this is the first time, um, this is the first time in line is God, right? I love the fact. What does he say? He says, Jacob, arise and go to Bethel. Now remember, Bethel is the place where God confirmed the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob way back in chapter 28, okay? And so geographically, Bethel is about 15 miles south of Shechem. Now, if you're taking notes, we remember Bethel means the house of God. So in an essence, he's saying, okay, Jacob, it's time for a transformation. You need to come back to the house of God. Now, it's not just a beckon to go, hey, listen, revival starts when we all come back to the house. I agree with that. I agree that we need to start in the house of God. But more importantly, revival starts when we come back to God. When we come back to God, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and let us not neglect meeting together. This is the word of God. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you could take a moment to jot this down. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray for our churches in California. They are going to open up Sunday. And they're going to just do it big time. They have been waiting so long. They have been waiting patiently. And I pray for my brothers there. I pray that God would do a revival. This is Pentecost Sunday. This is it, guys. This is where, I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to fall. But I pray for them. I pray for my brothers in New Mexico as they're starting to open up. And, of course, I pray that we would all return back to the house of God. Listen, I have gotten used to preaching to a camera. I've gotten used to watching. I've gotten used to seeing... I don't like it. I've gotten used to it. And a lot of people that I'm told I've gotten used to sitting at home and watching online. A lot of people. But that's not church. Okay? Listen to me. That's not church. Church is when you come here. Church is when we hug each other. Church is when we visit and when we have fellowship. That's church. Church is when we pack this place out and we hear the worship and we sing as loud as we can. The devil tried to say that we're, we, we're, not, supposed to sing, we're not supposed to sing out loud. And I said, sing all the louder. 
Sing all the louder. This is, we need to praise our God. Guys, time is short. Time is short, and we need to really just realize we need to come back to the house. And that's what he says. He said, let us not neglect meeting together. Well, pastor, I'm afraid. I mean, COVID. Okay, I respect that. Listen, if you're afraid, amen. But I know that I love you, and I look forward to the day when, you're, when, you, when we're back all together. Okay, I get that. I'm, there's no judgment here. If you want to stay home, amen. I'm glad you're online. I'm glad you're getting the word of God. I really am. But I'm ready for the time when I can see your smiling face, and I can hug you, and we can chat. I, lo- I love that. Okay, so revival happens. Then in chapters 2 and 3, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, then Jacob told everyone in his household. This is what I love. He says, get rid of your pagan idols. Purify yourselves and put on clean clothes. That's what he says. Why? Because we are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. Did you hear me, church? He has been with me wherever I have gone. Revival happens when now ready you ready when we get serious with our walks with god and if you're watching online i expect you to type amen why because because revival happens guys when we when, when we get serious with our walks with god here's what he's saying he's saying get rid of our pagan idols purify our lives with jesus and put on new clothes why do we put on new clothes guys that's a confession that's that confess lord i confess that i'm a mess and I want to put on new clothes. I want to put on new clothes. Listen, it's time to come back to God wholeheartedly. To come back to church. Oh, pastor just wants us to be in church. I don't want us to be in church. I want us to be the church. Okay? We all have a message that we need to take to the world. But this is what it happens. Now, how does this happen? Okay? How, Bethany, how does this happen? How do, what, what, well, let me say this. Let me do this, okay? For just a moment, let me share with you a few things to pray for, okay? Okay, Pastor, I want to take my walk serious with God. Can I get an amen? You go, amen. What should I pray for? Okay, number one, we need to pray that we would find that the fullness of all things, including life and joy, is found only in Christ. That's what we need to pray for. We need to pray for, again, think about it, that the fullness of all things is found where? It's found in Christ's life and joy. We don't have to go looking for them in all the wrong places. It's found, that's what we need to pray for. God, everything. Well, what else, Pastor? Well, number two, listen, that we would pray, get this, that we would experience a holy discontentment with where our lives are with God. Did you hear me? Pray that we'd have an experience, that we would experience a holy discontentment with where we are. And we would embrace, guys, the hope of what our lives can be. That's what we need to do. Oh, man, Lord, I just want to be, I just, I just don't want to live like this anymore. There's so much more that you have for me. That holy discontentment that God's kind of pushing us and nudging us out of the way so that we can see all that he has for us. Well, number three, pray, listen, that we would develop a taste for truth, even the difficult ones. We would develop a taste for truth, even the difficult ones. And, and how about this? How about we pray? I'm going to be serious with God. Pray that we would embrace biblical Christianity as taught through his word. Unfortunately, that includes suffering for Jesus, suffering like Jesus, being conformed to his death. Okay, that's not, that's, not, that's not something we want to put on a billboard to get people to church. Okay? That's not something, hey, come to our church and you'll experience suffering just like Jesus. Who's in? Oh, people are going to drive right by and go, that, uh-uh, I don't. But, but, but biblical Christianity is you get Jesus. At the end of the day, you get Jesus. Nothing else matters. Could we say that? Nothing else matters. Nor life, nor death, riches, poverty, nothing matters. But at the end of the day, we get Jesus. And here's what I love about my Jesus. My Jesus goes, listen, you're following me wholeheartedly. You're following me? And he blesses me. He blesses me with all kinds of good stuff. I love it. 
I love it. So these are things we need to pray for. We need to take our walk serious with the Lord. Well, then chapter 35, it ends on a high note, right? It ends on a, the revival right here. And, and, but what we realized is that, is that no matter as revival happens and obedience happens, life still happens. You go, what do you mean? Well, in chapter 35, we see that, that, that Jacob's wife, Rachel, dies. And she dies giving birth to Benjamin. Now, something very interesting, guys, the Bible's going to tell us here in just a little bit that Jacob loves Joseph, okay? But, but through Rachel, he had two sons, okay? He had who? Joseph and Benjamin. You guys tracking with me? Okay? So, but it doesn't say that, but, but he, was, he really loves Joseph. And I, and, and I started to put myself in Jacob's sandals. He loved Rachel. Rachel gave birth to... Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. Now, I'm pretty sure he loved Benjamin, but I ever wonder if he was human and thought, hmm, I love my son, but because of my son, I don't have my wife. I just a thought, just a thought, okay? I'm not preaching that. I'm just thinking. I'm try- I, I always try to put myself in what he would think. Okay, what, what would he think? Now, now we, we know that Jacob loved his sons, But I just wonder if he was just kind of going, wow, that was super trippy. That's a bummer. We can't allow life circumstances to dictate to us what direction we're going to go. Did you hear me? We can't allow, because circumstances are going to happen. Things are going to happen. I often think about this in my life because the, the closest thing, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but it's like the closest thing to, to really, that really, that was so personal to me. But I, I used to think about my wife. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer five years ago. Thank God he healed her. Amen. But I used to think, where would my life go if, if, if things would have ended up different? Would I, would I turn from God and say, oh, well, God, you did this to me? I mean, well, I mean, you couldn't, you know, I mean, but, but would I run from God? Would I be mad at God? And I want, I want, I want to not let life circumstances dictate which way I'm going to go, but I want to follow Jesus by faith. And so, and so we see that Rachel dies. And even in obedience, we saw that Deborah died as well as, 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 well as, as his father, Isaac. But let me say this to you. We don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he's better than life. Let that sink into your heart. Let that sink into your soul. Why? Guys, because we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. That's not our gospel. Hey, come, hey man, hey, here's the gospel. You ready? Give your life to Jesus and you're going to just have this great life. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be amazing. And then, no, no, no. Here's, here's the thing. We follow Jesus because, man, he is super better than life. That's the one to follow. When you wake up and you look at the, the beautiful sunrise and you see just that gorgeous clouds and, and the blue sky and you hear the birds sing, you guys know what I'm talking about that morning? And you go, wow, Lord, that is awesome. And for that moment, you're just so thankful to be alive. That's, that's what we get. He, he, he's better than that. He's so amazing. And now we come to Chapter 36. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to briefly give you the summary of chapter 36. Now, Ben, why would you do that? Okay, you ready? Jot this down. Genesis 36 gives us Esau's genealogy. Okay, 42 verses of begots and begots and begots and begots. And, and I was like, okay, so how, I mean, how would we even, I mean, so here's what, I, here's what we're going to do. Okay, here's what I would ask you to do. Read this. For homework, okay? You're not going to skip it, but let me just kind of summarize it, okay? Esau's genealogy gives us a list of grandsons and other powerful men, guys, who descended from Esau, okay? In chapter 36, we, um, which we're going to read for homework this week, we're going to, if you will, pay our last respects to a man who biblically was really a type of the flesh, okay? 
Why? Because he didn't have any interest in spiritual things. Okay? Neither from his grandfather Abraham, right, where we get Father Abraham, nor from Isaac. He just, he just didn't want any of that. And yet, guys, here's what we see. We see God's amazing grace. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so let me see if I understand. Esau was a man who didn't have any, didn't have any interest in spiritual things, and yet God still blesses him? Exactly. Why? Because here is a man who despised spiritual things, but yet God kept his promise to make him a nation and bless him with a large portion of land. You go, well, really? Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. We learned that even though Jacob and Esau were brothers, you guys know they were twins, his descendants, Esau's descendants, actually became the arch enemies of Jacob's. You can see. Paul tells us, Christians, he tells us that we have this inner civil war going on. Okay, Our spirit wants to praise the Lord. Our spirit wants to be obedient. Our spirit longs to be with him. And then our flesh goes, Mm-mm, put him up, let's go. And, and we have this fight. We have an arch enemy. And let me just say this, okay? If you're out there and you're just struggling with your flesh, you've got to remember which is the one you're feeding the most. The one you're feeding the most is going to dominate your life. If you're feeding the Spirit and you're in worship and you're reading His Word and you're praying and you're walking and you're seeking Jesus, your Spirit is going to be the dominant. But if you're feeding the flesh and you're giving up to the flesh and you're compromising your walks, then the flesh is going to be... This is exactly right. Esau and Jacob, boom. And it's the same thing that we go through. Paul says that we need to crucify the flesh, what? Daily. You guys know what I'm talking about? And some of us say, no, 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 I don't need to crucify the flesh daily. I need to crucify the flesh hourly. You don't know what I think these days. Are you kidding me? Man, this really trips me out, right? It's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And, and, and here's the beautiful, right? Here's the beautiful thing. There are some times when you are having like this super wonderful, fantastic spiritual day. You are like rocking for Jesus. And in a moment, something happens and you find yourself going, oh, I can't believe I blew it like that. I cannot believe I was just, man, I was, man, I was just bless the Lord. Oh, my. you're just singing all these praise songs, right? And then something, somebody cuts you off. And before you know it, you're just like all in the flesh and you can't believe what just came out of your mouth. You're like, man, that usually happens. I want to, I want to stay focused. Okay. Okay. So I know there's a civil war. Okay. I get it. I get it. It's just like. Well, if you're taking notes, jot this down. The Edomites are the descendant of Esau. So whenever in Scripture, now as you, as you continue to read, let me, let me just stop right there. Let me tell you what I found. When you read the entire Bible, when you read, um, it, we've, we've gone through the book of Acts, verse by verse, but now going through First and Second Corinthians, we, we just, it just ties in so beautifully. And you really get a feel for who Paul is and when he writes to the Romans and he writes to the, the Church of Galatians and, and Ephesians. I mean, it's just so, so, so the point is, is now moving forward, you go, okay, so who's Edom? Okay, that's the descendants of Esau. Okay, so Esau was Jacob. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Problem was, guys, is that their arch enemies with Jacob, right? The promise is, is to Jacob now. Jacob's been, been transformed. And... Here's what we need to remember. The, Babylon, the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to destroy the Edomites. And I believe that we'll always remember, guys, that Esau is a really a strong type of the flesh. Because I'm reminded in Hebrews chapter 12, 16 and 17, it says, make sure no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. He says in verse 17, you know that afterward when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Guys, Esau, Esau, Esau sought the blessing with tears. Please, please, please. See, he was after the stuff. He was after the blessing. Okay, bless me. And yet he found no place for real repentance for his sins. 
Remorse? Yeah. You ever, you ever get busted? You ever get caught? And you, there's real remorse. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. But Esau never repented. He never said, oh, man, I sinned against God. And, and, and so, guys, think about it. Think about this. There was no sincere repentance. He was sorry for what he had lost, but he was not sorry for what he had done. So I guess he really, he was the one who coined that phrase, right? Sorry, not sorry, I guess. That's really him because that's what happened. He was sorry, not sorry. Well, that really is chapter 36. And now we come to chapter 37, but I believe we can learn a lot from Joseph. Now, remember, Rachel gave birth to two boys. Who? Joseph and Benjamin. Now, when she was dying, she wanted to call his name Ben-Oni, but, he says, but Jacob says, no, 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 I don't want that to be the last thing you say. We're going to call him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Okay? But if you recall, real quickly, let me give you the outline of Genesis. It's been amazing because we've been following this outline. Why? Because the series is called His Story. Okay, His Story. And we get the, the play on words like history, but it's His Story because the outline is really simple. In the first chapter, we talk about the creation story. We've walked all through that. And then we were introduced to Adam and Eve, and we see their story. Okay? Now... Up until Genesis chapter 2, things were amazing because creation's story is amazing. But then sin entered and it fractured everything. And so we can see this, right? So from Adam and Eve, we went to Noah's story, right? And then from Noah, we, we met Father Abraham in Genesis 12 to 25. We hung out with Father Abraham for a while. Then we went to Isaac's story, Genesis 25 to 28. Then we've been hanging out with Jacob, guys. We were hanging out with Jacob since chapter 28, but all of a sudden COVID in the world hit, so we took a break. So we've been kind of hanging out with Jacob for a while now. Now we're finishing up. And then we're going to finish up, guys, in the last chapters with Joseph. So we see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So chapters 37 through 50, we're going to hang out with Joseph until We're done with this book. Now, here's what I love about Joseph. I believe we need to aspire to be more like Joseph. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that we need to tattle on our brothers and bring an evil report. Okay? Well, you should see what Jesse's doing. He's just not doing good. And so, Dad, you need to punish him. Or you should see what Mel's doing. No, 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 no. But we need to see his heart because there's a heart after God. But check this out, guys. Check this out. Because he has a lot of similarities with Jesus. And see, I want to be a man that follows after God's own heart. You go, Ben, what's biblical Christianity? You know what it is? It's finding the heart of Jesus and didn't doing that. What's your heart? And here's what I know about my Jesus. He loves people. He loves people. Did you know Jesus loves people with tattoos? He does. Did you know Jesus loves people with piercings and, and, and mohawks and nohawks? And, and you guys see the point. Do you know that my Jesus loves people of all colors? Every human is born, is made in the Imago Dei. He's made in the image of God. And I don't know where we got to the place where we feel like we, well, we need to judge. No, no, well, we don't need to judge in the, in, 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 in the you're going to hell, but you shouldn't look like that. You should dress better. You should. I, I get it. I get as Christians, we need to, to inspect fruit and we need to help brothers and sisters along the way. I get that, okay? I understand. That's what we're called to do. But Jesus has a heart for people, and at the end of the day, he's the authority, he's the judge, and so I want to love them back to life. I want to love people to, they're so broken that we want to love them to a place where they're, where they're, again, again, think about this. I want to see you the way Jesus sees you. I was talking to the sister just a while ago, and, and, and she was telling me a little bit about her, about her life. And, 
And that's not how God saw her. God saw her in such a beautiful way, in such a, such a, such a redeeming quality. Yet mankind is easy to go, oh, throw away, throw away life. Don't, do not get a mountain. That's not how Jesus sees people. Jesus says, no, 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 that's mine. Hands off, that's mine. That's how I want to see. I mean, it takes work, amen? It takes work because we've got we've to put on the Jesus-colored lenses. But Joseph, guys, has a lot. Now, here's what we're going to do. For the remainder of our time, guys, we're going to jump around, okay? Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to unpack the verses in our normal manner, okay? We'll, we'll go through the verses. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at nine, jot these down, nine similarities that Joseph has with Jesus. Nine. That is very interesting, okay? So here's what God did. In chapter 30, well, basically all of Genesis, he presented the gospel. He got his people's heart ready for the return, for Jesus to come in the flesh. You understand that. All the way back in Genesis, he was preparing the heart for Jesus to come. Now, Ben, why do you say that? Here's why. Because whether it's COVID, corona, flu, cancer, Jesus is preparing his church for his soon return. He is. Don't get caught up in being sidetracked to what everybody else is doing. Keep your eyes focused on God. He's preparing us. He's saying, guys, look, you see it coming. Well, yeah, well, I heard Bill Gates did this, and I heard that we're going to get a vaccine, and we're going to do this. and we're gonna... Listen, whoosh, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, pastor, I've got my eyes on Jesus. What should I do? Here, you ready? Can I just tell you, just, this is going to sound weird. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Right? Hug a little bit longer. Okay? Try not to rush through everything. I, I get it, guys. I get it. I was telling Jesse earlier and Joseph earlier, I was like, man, I felt like this week has just been... <laughs> And, I, and I'm trying to put the brakes because I know that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get, get, get us so busy that we miss out on opportunities. We miss out. That's what life is. Listen, I'm, I got my eyes on Jesus. I know he's coming back for me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to hang out and have a blast with my granddaughter. And we're going to get ICs. And we're going to have ice cream, and I'm going to make her mom so mad at me. But, but, but full disclosure, okay? When, when Talia was little, I told her, listen, when you grow up, he thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, if you ever have kids, I said, it's, it's going to be bad. I am going to spoil them bad. She knows this. This is full disclosure. She knows. I told, I told my, my granddaughter that, and she's like, really? And so, and so that's why I'm spoiled, Grandpa. That's why you're spoiled, because I told you that you would be spoiled. But here's the point. The point is... I missed out a lot on my kid's life because I was working and trying to make a living. And now as I'm older, I'm going, okay, eyes on Jesus. And I'm gonna so, I'm gonna, I want to soak, soak in the moments. I want to soak in the moments. And whether that's two in the morning till four, that's a moment. And God is blessing you with that moment. And I know you go, I'm just tired. But you, you, your four-year-old, man, your kids. Brothers and sisters, man, just, just talking, just talking. Nine similarities. Okay, so if you're taking note, if you're taking note, number one, love. Love. We'll move pretty fast through these, but jot these down. Love. How so? Well, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, take a look at it. It said, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He also made him a tunic of many colors. Now, here's the first thing that jumped out, okay? Here's the first thing. Favoritism. Don't play favoritism, okay? Well, I love this one more than I love this one. Listen, my dad did an amazing... Listen, I, I'm the baby, okay? I'm the baby of our family. So I always sort of expected a little bit more, like a little bit more favoritism, because I'm the baby. Listen, hey! And my dad was like, no, I love you all the same. I was like, oh. But it did such an amazing thing, because... And I love my kids just equal. No, there's, You know? 
That's Joseph, but, but, but okay, okay. So he said he loved Israel, okay? So Israel, or Jacob, had a unique love for Joseph. And I wrote down here, now in reality, and humans, we should not play favoritism. Can I get an amen? I heard a yes, but I, I need an amen. Amen. Jacob should have not loved Joseph more than the others. But in a spiritual sense, everybody say spiritual sense, we see... When Jesus was walking on the earth and was going to be baptized by John in Matthew chapter 3, 16 and 17, notice what it reads. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What a beautiful, unique love the father had. The father loved Jesus. And I see a similarity here in the gospel, in, in, in Genesis. We also, too, if you're taking notes, some, for my biblical students, check this out, for my Bible study students, we see a glimpse of the triune God, the Trinity. Why? Because right here at his baptism, of course, there's Jesus. There he is. There's Jesus, right? And he says, and he came up, he was baptized. He said, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, was descending on him, and then the Father spoke. So all three, we see beautifully the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Israel loved joseph the heavenly father said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased now let me just say this to you okay maybe you don't know this listen to me because you're in jesus because you're in jesus he's well pleased with you too he's well pleased with you so oh man i blew it with i blew it with god you know what because because he sees jesus he's pleased with you do you don't, don't you see what a what a great message if you get nothing else out of this, know that my, the Heavenly Father is pleased with you. Not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of who Jesus is. He's pleased with you. Number two. Number two. I see preeminence. Preeminence. Okay, we have love. Number two, preeminence. Look at verse three. He says, now Israel loved Joseph. We talked about that more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Now, here's what you need to underline. He also made him a tunic of many colors. Okay, if you're taking notes, understand that making him a tunic of many colors, he was actually displaying his favoritism because that garment would actually honor Joseph and give him his authority. Okay, so it wasn't like, hey, you know what? I've, here, here's, a, here's a coat. Here's a coat while you're out there, son. Make sure you stay. No, he's going, listen, I'm honoring you above everyone else, and here's my authority. Well, it stands to reason why the other fellows got upset with him, while these brothers were like, oh, because this is exactly what dad did. This is what dad did. Now, in doing some research... I found that some scholars think that Joseph's tunic was actually better translated. Check it out. A seamless garment. And then this, of course, the similarities reminds us, guys, of the seamless garment of Jesus that the Romans gambled at his crucifixion. At his crucifixion. In John chapter 19, verse 23, it says... Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now, the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. In one piece. We're praying about going to Israel. Don't know if it's going to happen, but we're supposed to go in 2021. But you will actually go to the spot in the praetorium where you see where the soldiers actually played games as they as as uh, where they would they would actually well well first of all it's the streets that Jesus walked on. It's 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 the Via Della Rosa underneath. Okay. So in Israel, as they were conquered city where they just kept putting they just built over so the original street that the real is down below and then you could see where the romans would have carved out games like whatever they would play and this would be the place that they would shoot dice or whatever it might be for the garments of those being crucified 
So with Joseph, he had a seamless garment, if you will, and so did my Jesus. But he was also given authority, just like that authority, right, that, that, that Jacob gave his son. He says, and he says, not only am I honoring you, but in authority. Well, how so? Well, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28 and 19, it says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Lord says, listen, God has given me his authority. All authority has been given to me. So we see love, amen, we see preeminence, but we also, number three, something very similar is hatred. Hatred, okay? Why? Well, it seems like his, his brothers began to hate him at a young age. So, do you know what they did? Well, of course, I think I remember the story, Pastor. Well, they sold him into slavery, and then they lied to Dad about his death. Look at um, Genesis 37, 27 through 33. He says, come, they're speaking of Joseph, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up, and lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Let me stop right there for just a moment, because here's one that jumped out at me that I did not give you. Before they sold him to the Ishmaelites, they threw Joseph in a pit. If you go to Israel today, they put Jesus in a pit just as well. There's an opening about so far, and what they would do is while they were getting ready to have the trial, they would take prisoners, and they would drop them in this stone cave with just a little opening, and he was dropped in a pit. And when they were ready to crucify him, they would just pull him out. And guys, when you get there, you just, get, you just start to cry. And you get chills because you see that the opening is not very big for a man to fit in. And that's what they would do. He spent all night, guys, in a dark, damp pit. Waiting for trial. A bogus trial at that. So... What did they do? They sold Joseph for 20 shekels, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph um, was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? They took Joseph's tunic, right? Killed a kid of goats and dipped it in the tunic of blood. And they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do we not know whether it's your son's tunic? or They knew. And Jacob recognized it and said, This is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. You go, what does that mean? Well, it's a striking similarity. You go, how so? Because his brothers, his own flesh and blood, they just, they hated him. They, they wanted to kill They sold him to the Midianites. But, but in, a, in a striking similarity to Jesus... Do you guys remember what the Bible says? He came to his own. And it says, and his own didn't receive him. John chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus came. And even today, guys, even today, there are people who hate Jesus. I don't recommend going there, but there's a website, and, and, and they have this, and, and they showed a protester with a sign that actually said, if Jesus were to come back to earth, we'd crucify him again. That's how much they hated Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he created all things, it tells us. And he created mankind, and then he came to mankind to save them from the sins and they turned on him, and they did not receive him. Both were loved by their father, listen, and hated by their brothers. How about number four? How about number four? Betrayal. Okay, verse 28 says, The Midianite traders passed by, so, so the brothers pulled Joseph and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and took Joseph to Egypt, right? So 
Joseph's 10 older brothers sold him for 20 pieces of silver. That's what they did. They betrayed him, their own brother, and sold him. Well, how, does this, how, does this, how is this similar with Jesus? Well, centuries later, a fellow by the name of Judas Iscariot. You guys remember him? Judas Iscariot, one of the 12. Remember what he did. He walked with Jesus for three years. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus walking on water. He saw all of it, guys, and yet he still betrayed him, not for 20 pieces of silver, but for 30 pieces of silver. What? What an amazing similarity, just like Joseph's brothers did. I don't know. Do you get the feeling that the Lord is trying to, to, to share, even in the Old Testament, what, what, what's about to happen? And that the scholars would go, oh, it's the Meshach, it's the Messiah. The Messiah, the anointed one, the savior of the world. Now, now listen, listen, let me say that again, okay? The savior of the world. Why is that important? Here's why. Because whether it's COVID or something else that's coming down the line, here's what's going to happen. The world is going to collapse. No. Yeah, we didn't believe that a few months ago, but now we believe it, don't we? Not, not the United States, not our little town. The world is going to collapse. And what are they going to be looking for? Help me, church. They're going to be looking for a savior of the world. And that's where the Antichrist is going to step in, sermon for a different day, but just, just the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. Okay? And so just like Joseph's brothers betrayed him, so did you. How about number five? How about this great similarity? You go, what's that? Slander. Slander. See, later on in our story, in, in chapter 39, we discover that Joseph is falsely accused for crimes he didn't commit. Why? Do you guys remember Potiphar's wife? Okay? He gets a, he gets a cush job. I mean, he's just like, he's just rocking for Jesus, man. And he's found favor with the boss. The boss is just like, man, I mean, the only problem is is that the boss's wife got the hots for, jo- for, for Joseph. He's like, and she's like, come lie with me. And Joseph's like, no, I can't do this. No, no, I cannot do this. And he says in Genesis 39, 9, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back from you because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Because I'm not going to sleep with you. No. No. Joseph wouldn't compromise his integrity and his walk with God. Well, guess what happened? You guys know the story. She caught him inside the house. He took off running. She held his coat. She yelled rape. Well, guess what happened? In verse... And in, in, in verses 19, it says, when, so when it was, when his master heard the words of which his wife spoke, your servant did this to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. I'm not sure if it was for Joseph, sermon for another day. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined so that he was there in prison. So he was falsely accused, amen? And then he was put in prison. You go, what's the point? Guys, just like Jesus, who was falsely accused of crimes that he didn't commit. You remember, what was the main one? The main one was blasphemy. And basically, that was the chief one. It was blasphemy. He called himself God. And so, and so I mean, this was, this was crazy. And it tells us in Matthew chapter 26, verses 60 through 66, it says, even though many false witnesses came forward, they didn't find anything to accuse him. But the last two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is this that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further do we need of these witnesses? Look, now you have heard this blasphemy. What do you think? Answer. And he said, He is deserving of death. 
You asked him if he was God, he goes, yeah, that's what I told you. And you're going to see me sitting. And then they slander him. How about this one, number six? How about a company? Company, yeah. Do you guys remember Joseph? Where did he end up? Well, he ended up in prison. Who did he end up in prison with? What company did he keep? Wait a minute. He, he actually was in prison with two accused criminals. Do you guys remember who they were? Yes, my mind is thinking, wait a minute. It's the chief butler and the chief baker. Those two were with him. Well, what happened? You guys know the story. We'll get to it in just a little bit, in a few weeks. But it says, it says one of the two, remember, G, remember, remember Joseph has a dream and he interprets a dream. He's like, oh. What happens? One of them is actually, what, exonerated where the other one is actually executed. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Why? Because Luke's gospel gives us a similar story. In Luke's gospel, chapter 23, if you guys remember, Jesus is crucified. Who is he crucified? He's crucified with two convicted criminals. And one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him and said, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But he answered, rebuking him, saying, do, not, do you not even fear God, even if you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received our due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. So one of them was like, Jesus, get yourself down. And he didn't even want to repent. And the other one said, I'm so sorry. I believe in you. And, 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 he wasn't exonerated. He still died on the cross, but he was set free, and he was with Jesus forever. He's, listen, the dude's in heaven right now. He's probably just be like, man, just, let me tell you this. Ooh, that was close. That was close. I was, I was just hours from death. I'm just, thank God. Man, I'm so glad they caught me on the day they caught me, because if they had caught me in every time, I wouldn't have known about Jesus, and I, would just, I don't know where I'd be. I know where I'd be, because my friend's not here, and... Anyways, I'm, I, I digress. I come back to the story. This really tripped me out. Why, guys? Because it's like the gospel of Jesus Christ since the beginning of time. And, and listen, let me just say this. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. This is God's fingerprint all over. How about this one? You know, another similarity? Drop this down. Dead and then alive. What? Joseph, what? No, 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 no. Listen, for years, remember, Jacob believed that Joseph had been killed, right? We read it. And it wasn't until Joseph's brothers actually traveled to Egypt to get grain did he reveal himself, right? And he says in Genesis 45, 26 through 28, it says, and they told him saying, Joseph is still alive and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he didn't believe them. And when he told them all the words which Joseph had said to him, and he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry, right? The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go to him before I die. Could you imagine thinking your son was dead because of the lie that the brothers told? And then you find out he's alive. Well, Jesus, my Jesus, died on the cross for our sins. He was separated from his father for a time. And his body lay in the grave for three days until the moment of his resurrection. And you recall the disciples were still afraid and they actually refused to believe it. But all of a sudden, Jesus resurrected. He was dead, but now he's alive forevermore. And in my thought, I thought, well, yeah, you know what, Joseph was thought dead, but he was actually alive, but then he eventually died, right, Joseph? And when they carried the bones of Joseph back, right, to the promised land? But Jesus is alive forevermore. He's never going to die again. That's the good news. That's the good news. Why? Because of that resurrection, we don't have to taste death. We just got to wait for the Lord. He's going to come back for us. And even if you do die, 
you're going to be resurrected. He's going to shout. He's probably shout your name. And you're going to come out of that grave in a brand new body. It's going to be the most amazing thing. Because the Bible says that my Jesus, he was, he was the first fruits of resurrection. He's the only one who resurrected and stayed that way. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He is risen. He is Lord. Okay, number eight. Number eight. Authority. Authority. See, in Genesis chapter 41, guys, verse 40, it says, To Joseph, you will be in charge of my court. This is Pharaoh talking to him. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have rank higher than yours. This is where this is to, this is where Joseph rose to, to authority. Joseph was in charge of everything and he became a powerful second man in charge. And if you recall the dream earlier, we'll look at that next week, um, it, it became a reality for Joseph, right? He was given all the authority in Egypt and Pharaoh says, only I sitting on my throne will have a higher rank than you. So Joseph, he he, he's, got, he's got the authority. He has got the authority. Well, according to Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verse 27, the Bible says, all things, I have, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. So what's he saying? Same thing, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. See, in other words, Jesus is rightfully in charge of everyone and everything. He has the authority. Last one. Number nine, recognition. Recognition. What do you mean? In your mind, go back to our text. When Joseph's brother saw him, the first time, guess who they saw? They saw the prime minister of Egypt. That's who they saw. And they came in, remember, bowing their faces to the ground. It actually tells us in Genesis 42, 6. Now, Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed before him with his faces to the earth. This is exactly the dream. Now, at 17-year-old, he's like, I don't know, but they're all upset with him. But now they come in, and they bowed before him. They bowed. And what I noticed, guys, is they didn't recognize their brother until the second time they came before him. And I thought, wow. At Jesus' second coming, at the end of history, the Jewish nation will recognize their Messiah, as the Bible says. And here's what's going to happen. You ready? The Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, you and I, we do it right now. He, he, we do it. We've already bowed the knee. But at the second coming, okay, so here's what's going to happen, okay? At the rapture of the church, you and I, boom, we're gone. Hallelujah. We're going to have a great time, okay? We're going to go to heaven. But the Holy Spirit is now taken off the Gentiles and put on the Jewish nation as they begin to see that Jesus is their Messiah. Well, the Antichrist doesn't like that, okay? So he's going to fight on that. But for seven years, and we call it the Great Tribulation or the Tribulation and the Great Tribulation, the Holy Spirit is on the Gentile nation because that's God's chosen people. On the Jewish nation, that's, just, that's God's chosen people. The Gentiles, boom, we're out of here. Okay, The Holy Spirit is on the Gentile nation right now. That, does that mean that Jews aren't getting saved? No, that means Jews can get saved. And I believe that Gentiles will still get saved. I actually believe there will be a huge revival once the rapture takes place because those that are walking on the fence in Christianity are going to go, oh, man, you know what? There is a God. I'm sorry. I, I believe it. And they're going to repent and they're going to wholeheartedly give their lives to the Lord. Now, here's what I say. It's so much easier to serve Jesus now than it will be then. But nonetheless, nonetheless, at the second coming, when he comes back to rule and reign for a thousand years, the Jewish nation will recognize that that's the Messiah, not the Antichrist. Right now in history, guys, we have what we call Messianic Jews and Orthodox Jews. 
Messianic Jews believe that Jesus is the Christ. Many of them, they love Jesus. That's what you can go to Israel today. They're Messianic Jews. You guys, you guys, but there's Orthodox Jews who actually right now are waiting for the Messiah. They believe in the Bible. They, they, they know the Old Testament, but they reject the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. So they're waiting for their Messiah to come which makes life so much easier or, or it, makes the, it makes it easier when all of a sudden a savior steps up in the midst of a pandemic and saves the world. I think at the time our world has to be very, a, a very globalist world. One currency, one religion, one world government. But God's not finished. So you go, Pastor, what's the point? If you're watching, you're listening, it's so much easier to serve Jesus now, to open up your heart and say, wow, you know what? You can't make that stuff up. This is amazing. I believe that Jesus is fully man and fully God, came from heaven, died for my sins to restore me back to him. And I confess that I'm a sinner and I need him and I want to walk in him and I want to live victoriously. I want to live victoriously to, for Jesus. And so with that, come into my life and help me, be, help me be a victorious soldier for you. Help me be victorious, God. I want to recognize you now. I bow the knee now. Okay, church, in closing, in closing... Let me just say this. We gave you nine similarities, beautiful stuff that's pulled out of Scripture. But let me say this. Next week, okay, we're going to come back and we'll break down verse by verse uh, each, each chapter as we have previously. And we're going to look deep in the life of Joseph, okay? Um, so tonight, we really have some things that um, we need to chew on, okay? You go, what's that? The gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament foreshadowing my Jesus. And if we go to Israel, you need to go. Because all of this will come to life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm praying that we'll go. But all of this, you'll see the pit. You'll see everything. And it's just, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. I never want to end our broadcast without an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Jesus. We're getting so close. We're getting so close to his return. Keep your eyes up. Keep your head up. Keep looking. He's coming back again. But maybe... But maybe you're here and you're watching or maybe you're listening by podcast or whatever it is and maybe you're saying, Pastor Ben, I don't, you, you were saying some things and some lights were going off and man, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus. And, and I really want one. Well, the good news is that you can have one today. Well, I know, Pastor, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a million miles away from him. Well, you may feel like you're a million miles away, but listen, you're one decision from coming back to him. And even if you're watching now, may the Holy Spirit grip your heart in obedience as you say yes to him. What do I have to do, Pastor? All you have to do is open up your heart and invite him inside and say yes to his plan for your life. Repent from your sin, man. Turn away from that. Say, I don't want that old life anymore. I don't want it. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And then just let us know. And hit a comment there. Listen, comment. Say, man, I gave my life to Jesus. We'll rejoice with you, man. Or, or listen, if you're just like, no, I don't, want, I don't want people to know, you can send us an email, man. You can send us an email at, at calvarylubbock at hotmail.com and say, man, I gave my life to the Lord. Give me your address. We'll send you some Bible. We'll get you some resources. We'll walk with you in this, man. I don't care where you are. All over the world, listen, man, you're watching this for a reason. God loves you very much, and he's got you. 
has got you. Just open up your heart. Say yes. Make this night your defining moment. Love you. So, Father, we thank you for our Bible study. We thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that you're moving in our midst. I pray for everyone, Lord, who's going to hear this message, that your Holy Spirit would just then move in their hearts and bring them into the family of God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.